Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, I just really believe we're going to have a great day in the church today. Amen? Amen? Yes. You've got to come expectant. Yes. You can't just come saying, what's anyone going to do for me? You know, I'm always expectant when I come because God is here, not because people are here. Because God is in the room. He's in the house. Amen? Who's up for a great time today? You know, this week I just really felt the, the Lord. Sometimes I put messages together and I feel God helping me. But there's sometimes when God really speaks to me about something. And this week I was woke up in the middle of the night. And uh, I really felt God just impact me with a word that he wanted me to share. And, uh, and I just kept, I kind of pushed things aside. And then I said, God, I've got some other ideas. And then I really felt God just put this word on my heart. So I hope it's going to help someone, uh, if not everyone today. But I really feel that, some, you know, when we bring the word of God, it's the spirit of God, isn't it? It's the spirit of God that is speaking. And I want to encourage you today, open your hearts and your ears to hear what the Lord has said. Father God, we just pray, may this word speak into our hearts by your spirit in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 16, we welcome those listening by way of the internet. Verse 21, it says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Wow. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. By the way, if you didn't think that, G that God ever disciplines us, he does. He disciplines us. You know, sometimes this is the, the, the side of God sometimes we, we don't want to see, but this is the things he does. And he speaks to Peter and says this. Then he says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple, verse 24 must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Amen. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, Jesus said, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Then Matthew 17, verse 1, it says this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. 
While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus said many times with the miracles that he performed, he would heal people and he would tell people not to tell people about it. Have you noticed that before? The first thing we do is when we, when we have a healing, we, we put it on YouTube within about five minutes. We get this stuff out. We tell people what's happening, what God is doing. But Jesus, for some reason, he would say, you know, don't tell anyone about this. But people always told people, didn't they? The, the word got around. And it's interesting that just when they come back down this mountain, after this amazing experience, Jesus says something to them. He says, very interesting. He said, whatever you do, don't say anything about what you've seen. Until I've been raised from the dead. And some of us would think, well, we want to go and tell people about who Jesus is. We've just seen something so amazing at the top of this mountain. Why does he not want us to tell anyone about it? But there was a reason. Because Jesus knew that the time was right for when he was risen from the dead. So that the word would go out. The gospel would go out just at the right time. With its power and authority. You see... I don't know about you, but when I read this, what I see is that these three guys who have been selected by Jesus to go to the top of the mountain and have this amazing experience. I mean, who would love to see the transfiguration of Jesus? In other words, Jesus becoming in his glorified state to prove who he is. You see, Jesus went around doing good, doing miracles, proving who he was. But at this moment, at this time, this was not the ascension. This was the transfiguration. It was something where Jesus revealed his glorified state. Many of us today, when we go on the streets and evangelize, we would love to say, wait a minute, I'll prove who Jesus is and let people see him in his glorified state. But sometimes we can't always let them see that. We have to just tell them the news. And let the Spirit of God work. Many of us would love to have had the experience that Peter, James, and John had on that mountain. Many of us would love it. But I'm telling you something today that I want to encourage you. And last week, we heard a message on encounters with God and the presence of God and God touching us. And the power of God. And wasn't it amazing? I love, I love hearing about that. But listen to me. I've got something to say today. Some of us love great experiences. But I want to talk to you today about great experiences. And what happens when there is no experience. Because listen to me. You might, have to, you might go up the mountain some weeks. Last week you might have been up the mountain. But I feel sometimes that some of us have to come back down the mountain. And it's when you're back down the mountain. What's going to happen then? So we can't just rely on these experiences. They had this amazing experience. But they had to also come back down. I don't know about you, but when, when we go on holiday, I love to go on holiday. We love the planning of it. We love to book a holiday and find the, the brochure. You see the picture. It's never as good when you get there as what you see in the brochure. You know, they, don't they select the best pictures? I mean, we went on our holiday last year, this year, sorry, in August. And when we went there, we booked the holiday. They didn't tell us that when we went to the beach, they were still constructing the beach. 
50% of the beach was being constructed. There were literally diggers on and they were putting sand onto the beach, putting artificial sand to make it look better. I thought this was never in the brochure. I just saw the balcony with the little chair and table and the pool, but I never saw the other side. And some of us, sometimes we, 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 we have these great experiences. We were on holiday. We had an amazing time. But you know, one of the, the hardest things I find on a holiday is right near the end when you get a letter shoved through the door that tells you when you're leaving. I mean, why do they do that? These people are the ones who help you book the holiday. They're the ones who then post through the door and say, in six days you'll be leaving. Make sure you do this, this, and this. You think, I don't want to know about that. But some of us, sometimes we have these great experiences, but we've got to be prepared, ready for the other experiences that are not so good. Don't ever let any preacher or anyone tell you that life is just is experience up here all the time. Because it's not true. That is not what Christianity is about. As good as what anyone can tell you uh, Jesus' spirit is and when he comes into a room, the truth is this, that you have to go to work on Monday morning. It's true, isn't it? You know, you've, you've not got Alan playing the keys when you're in the office on Monday morning. You've not got Sam leading a little song and saying, I'm a child of God, and you're stood there and someone's coming to you saying, can you prepare this Excel spreadsheet? It's true. We've got to be ready to come back down as well as go up the mountain. But we've also got to be prepared to climb the mountains and look towards God for experiences. Maybe today you feel like you need an encounter. Maybe you feel like you've had an encounter and now you feel like you're far from God. Listen, you're in good company. The title of the message today is this, is Lasting Impressions. Lasting Impressions. The reason why is this, because I believe that when you have a true encounter with God, when God really touches your life, when you have this experience, these mountaintop experiences, I truly believe that it's something that should last, but it's not about feeling. You see, there's a difference. There's a difference. Some of us are looking for the, the chills up our spine. We're looking for the Holy Spirit touches on Monday morning. But the truth is this, that a lasting impression from an encounter with Jesus Christ is not about feeling. It's much more than that. And you're in good company today because I want to tell you, if you're feeling low inside, if you're feeling, well, last week was good. I had a touch from the Lord back in 1993, but today I feel a little bit poor inside. Listen, you're in good company because it's not about how you feel. It's so much bigger. You see, there is a lasting impression on our lives. Moses, when he went into the presence of God and he goes to the mountain, what happened? He had a radiance upon him that even he didn't realize when he came back down the mountain. People had to tell him. They noticed something about him, the radiance upon his face. Do you realize that sometimes when you feel low and you're in your office or you're in your college or wherever you are, when you feel so rotten inside and you're saying, do you know, I really, I just wish I was at the church now and I just wish I was in the presence of God. Can't wait for next Sunday. Do you know what's happening? God's people are seeing God upon you. They're seeing the radiance upon you when you don't see it. Because there's a lasting impression. God should have a lasting impression on our lives. There's three things I want to bring today about this story about this mountain. They're going to help us to understand 
what it means to have that lasting impression. Number one, the first thing is this. God is higher than our moments. God is higher than our moments. Our moments are these experiential times, these times when we feel the presence of God. I could tell you some stories of when I felt the presence of God. In fact, I'll tell you the truth today. In 2002, when I gave my life to Jesus, it was in in this church I was prayed for on one Tuesday evening. I had an encounter with God like I have never experienced since that day. And there was eight people in the room. You don't need 300, 400 people to make make Jesus move. Come on. You don't need a thousand-seater building to make Jesus move. You just need people who are hungry for Jesus. I've experienced God more with those eight people that night than I've experienced in conferences where there's been thousands. Do you know why? Because that night, inside, I was desperate. I was hungry. I wanted Jesus to touch me. And because of that, that desire and that hunger, Jesus responds. But he doesn't leave me in this place where I I felt I remember going to work the next day. And oh, oh my word, I just felt the presence of God was still on me. But it began to fade as I started to do the chores. And I'm starting to do the things I had to do. Because I realized you can't live in that place. That's why one day you're going to get a glorified body. Because you're going to be able to stand in the presence of the Lord all the time. You can't, if you were to stand in his presence all the time, you'd be dead. That's why the Lord, he pulls himself away because it's not that he's pulled himself away fully. His spirit is within us. But listen to me, in terms of feeling his presence, he's not always going to be there where you can feel something. If you go for feeling, then you're in the wrong church. He's higher than our moments. He says this. It's interesting. Matthew 17 verse 1. Jesus does this. I don't know if you've seen this before, but Matthew 16, he starts to tell them, He says, I'm going to die, by the way, guys. So soon, this is what's going to happen. I know you've enjoyed the miracles, the things that we've been doing together, guys. I know it's been amazing, but listen, I've got something to tell you. I'm going to die. Imagine what they thought. Imagine if you'd seen the, the dead raised. You'd seen people get healed miraculously. You'd been hanging around with Jesus, and then he says, I'm going to die. What a curveball. I mean... That is totally, we're not ready for that one. And Peter, that's why Peter responds and says, hang on a second. This is not right. I'm not going to let this happen. This is not on the agenda. This, this is not the vision. Jesus, do you know the vision? We want to build something greater than this. This isn't the vision. But Jesus turns around to him and doesn't say, well, yeah, I actually, I get that. I wouldn't mind another three years ministry. It'd be quite cool, wouldn't it? He says, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because his vision is to go to the cross, to die for you and for me. He had a plan. His vision was way different to ours. But do you know this? What's amazing, he then says this. He tells them he's going to die. Then Peter gets a bit upset, but then he tells him something else. He then says in Matthew 16, he talks about his glory in the future. He talks about his return and his reward. In other words, he says, look, I know you can't, you're finding it hard to understand, Peter, but I'm going to tell you, one day you're going to see the Son of Man coming. You're going to see the great rewards coming. You're going to see the angels coming. You're going to see me in glory. So they must have been thinking, okay. I'm trying to get my head around this. I still don't understand this. You're going to die. Now you're telling us that we're going to see you in a glorified state. And isn't Jesus gracious? Because in Matthew 17, it says, six days later, 
he decides to give them an experience. He knows that we are not very good at understanding sometimes. So from Matthew 16, it only takes six days and Jesus decides to give them an experience and show them a glo- his glorified state of the future just so they can get it. So he says, look, six days later, he selects Peter, James, and John. He says, come with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. You know, we had that converta- conversation six days ago. Watch this. I'm going to demonstrate now to you. I'm going to show you my glory. And he takes them up a mountain to reveal this amazing moment. He says that his face was shining. His clothes were white. Imagine seeing Jesus in this glorified state. All of a sudden, all of their questions, you know, they'd probably been on the Alpha course asking questions. All the questions would have been gone. You know, they see him, they say, you know, actually, I'm so sorry, Jesus, we, we didn't get this. Now we understand that if you did die, if you were like this, then we, everything just works out now. We understand it. Jesus is probably thinking, at last, you've got it. But do you see what he does? He explains the vision of what he's going to do. They don't get it. And then he says, in his grace, I'm going to show you something to let you understand. Some of us sometimes go through life. Last week, some people have been touched by the power of God encounters because God comes in his grace and says, do you know what? I'm just going to touch you just to remind you who I am. I'm just going to take you up the mountain just to remind you again that I haven't left you. I've not forsaken you. I'm here still. But don't live up there. The moments with Jesus are great, but Jesus, God, is higher than our moments with him. He's so much bigger than that. And so many people, we meet them sometimes, they, they're running to every meeting to try and get presence of God and these feelings, but their lives are, are messed up in the week. They're running all over the country to see the next best prophet, to see the next best person who's going to preach a powerful word. But the truth is this, I want to know what you're living like from Monday to Saturday, because that's the key. That's what Jesus is interested in. We can't just live for these moments. I remember back in, I just got saved 2012, 2013, myself and Emma, if you've ever heard of a man called Rodney Howard Brown, he's from America, a fantastic guy, great preacher, great minister and moving in the miraculous, see many great miracles. This guy was coming over from Florida and he was going to be in the Royal Albert Hall. And in my mind, I'd been reading books, I'd been watching TV, God TV, which is not always advisable. But I was watching TV, and I, saw, and I thought, this guy's coming. I need a touch from the Lord. Because I'd had a touch. I'd had a touch here, like I said. Now I wanted more. I was hungry. Now there's nothing wrong with that. But I wanted more. So what we did is we couldn't afford a hotel, so then we, we, we got a tent. And we went down to London, and we went on the outskirts of London, we got a tent. And so we went to stay, myself and Emma, we went in this tent, and we were meeting some other friends of mine who were also glory seekers looking for the presence of God in London at the Royal Albert Hall. Well, we got there and it just so happens they led us to the front row. I don't know why because I, was, I, I, I wasn't anyone special at all. I, I sat on the front row and I was with some team of people who'd been in a hotel for the night. And I was telling them about the rain hitting and coming through my tent. I'd had a bit of a journey. We'd had a bit of a nightmare setting this tent up. And then we get all the way on the tube and someone tells you they've stayed in a lovely hotel. And I stood on the front row and then Rodney speaks. 
All the way through, do you know what I wanted? Do you know if I'm honest? I wasn't really bothered about what he was preaching. I just wanted to touch. I just want, I just want, I want to see what I've seen on TV. And so I'm stood there. Do you know what? I'm going to tell you something tonight, today, this morning. I felt nothing. I watched there. A good friend of mine was stood on the front row. Rodney called him out. I saw the most powerful touch upon someone. You couldn't fake this one. God was powerfully touching this person next to me. And I'm stood in the very same room feeling nothing. Not a bar. Nothing. That gets you more angry, doesn't it? You're stood and you're thinking, God, do I need to pray a bit harder? Do I need to, maybe on the next song I'm going to worship and just try and shut everything off because I want what that person's got. But it's just not happening. I left that day. I'd spent my money on the ticket. I'd camped in this tent. We'd had an absolute nightmare. This person had been in a hotel. But yet they had an amazing experience. I'd had nothing. Listen, join the club. Sometimes you don't feel anything. And it's very frustrating when you see Brother Dingaling is getting the touch. You see the person next to you is getting a powerful touch and you ain't getting anything. Do you know why? Because I believe God humbles us. He says, I want to get you into a place where you're actually seeking me for who I am. Not the power, but who I am. Never forget who he is. Some of us are just seeking his hand and not his face. And I left that place that day. I was so disappointed. So disappointed. I'll never forget it. It's on my mind since. You know, I'm still waiting for that touch. But I've learned a lot since then. I've learned a lot since then that I don't seek after that. If God wants to do it, I'm up for it. But if, if he wants to do it, that's his choice. Listen, let me just say this. I wasn't prepared to say this. But if you're here today and you're saying, why is it some people get a touch and I don't? Why is it some people seem to fall or go down and I don't fall down? Why is it this? Why is it that? Listen, God has got something special for you. You're unique. Don't ever think just because you don't react to God's presence and manifest in the same way as someone else does not mean that you're not as holy as them. I've seen people touched by the power of God and I know that there's things going on in their lives. It's not about your holiness. God calls us to be holy, but it's not about our holiness. That's not the ticket for getting the presence of God. Jesus wants to touch you by his grace because he loves us. I've put here that encounters with God are not to temporarily satisfy, but to continually sustain us. They're not to temporarily satisfy us, but they're to continually sustain us through life. You see, I don't know if you saw this, but they go to this high mountain. If you read the Bible, you'll see many occasions where people meet God at the top of a mountain. It's just the way it is. Unfortunately, getting up a mountain, you have to climb. Ouch. I love that. <coughs> you have to climb. In, when we were on our holiday in August this year, one of the tasks was one day is that we'd heard that there were volcanoes, old volcanoes on the island. And we said we want to visit one of these volcanoes. So we went. We arrived. And I went into this little restaurant at the foot of the volcano or mountain, you could call it, whatever it was. And I said, is this the place where we can go up to the top and see? She said, yes, it's amazing. She said, if you go up, you'll see little squirrels. You can feed them. They come into your hand. But you've got to get up there. I said, and it was, this was a day, it was about 30 degrees heat plus, and it was hot. So we get out of the car with the kids. The kids are wondering what we're doing, because we're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're talking volcanic rock. There's nothing. Just this one little restaurant, and I had a little bit of money. So I went into the restaurant. I said, can I buy as many drinks as possible? 
with us. I'll have as much water, Diet Coke. We, we want to go up this mountain. He said, yeah. He said, if I were you, I'd take the longer route. It's much more scenic. I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to encourage the guys to this. So I went back out and I said, Emma, we're going to go up this, but they said that go for the longer one. It's much more scenic. She said, are you joking? The kids are like, what are we doing? And we had two bottles of Diet Coke and two bottles of water. Now, I, I was living by faith. I didn't realize this walk was going to be such a long walk. We set off with our flip-flops on. There were people walking past me with hiking boots on. I mean, they'd been reading Lonely Planet. They'd set out to go on this major expedition to go and see this volcano. And there's me rocking up with two bottles of Diet Coke and a pair of flip-flops. And two children. But I wanted to see the top, you see. You see the books, I couldn't, I couldn't really see the picture. It didn't do it justice. They told me that there's more than just seeing it. You get to go and feed these squirrels. They'll literally come to you. And I wanted to see the squirrels. And I didn't care if the family hated me for it. I wanted to see the squirrels. So we set off. We walked. This was getting blistering heat. Honestly, I thought it was going to be something like nine. Has anyone seen 999 in the UK, the program? Where you have to, I thought this is, we're going to be ending up on some program where they have to rescue us because we didn't have enough water. We get up to the top. Boy, oh boy, it was great. It was fantastic. These squirrels, the kids were loving it. They forgot all about the walk up. Then we had to go back down, unfortunately. But listen to me. One of the things I realized that day is that actually we needed more water. We did need more supplies. We weren't prepared. And some of us sometimes need to be prepared. If we want to seek God and see an encounter with God, we've got to be prepared, ready. Because Jesus said this, and we read it earlier. He said, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross. He also talks about, Jesus talks many times about the cost of following. In other words, you've got to understand the cost of following. If you really want to have great encounters with God, then you better be ready, prepared, and have the cost to do that. Some people are wondering why they don't see encounters because they're not willing to climb any mountains or do anything. They're waiting for God to just come and touch them in their place of comfort. And they're waiting saying, nothing ever happens to me. And all the time, they're never prepared to pay the cost to go to the mountain. Those who are prepared to pay the cost and follow Jesus to the top will see great things. Do you know that? So don't put anyone else down. Say, do you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to be a pursuer. I'm going to be someone who pursues. I'm going to prepare and go to the top. Peter and James and John had this glorious moment, but they had to climb as well, by the way. <laughs> Imagine Jesus selects them. I reckon he selected them because he knew they were prepared to walk. He probably thought, I mean, why didn't he select any of the other disciples? He selected three. He says, I'm going to take you up. I don't know whether he went up to them and he said, said to them all, but someone said, I'm not walking to the top of that mountain. But he selects these three and they all walk up because they were prepared to pay the cost. I want to say today, get ready to climb. What does it mean for you to climb today? What's the cost for you to climb? Some of us need to get back into our prayer lives. We need to get back into the word of God. We need to get back into seeking after him. That's what it means for you. Your climb is tomorrow morning is that God's saying, I'm calling you to the mountain. I'm calling you to come up more, come closer to me. Separate yourself from things. And he's saying to us today, he's challenging us. And maybe for you that means that you need to get up early and prepare and get ready to meet with God. Seek after him. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but 
It's interesting that when they get to the top, that the vision they see is Eli- uh, Moses and Elijah. Moses himself also went to the top of mountains. In Exodus 34, it says this, verse 1 to 2. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Then he says, verse 2, Be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. Now, In Exodus 34, what's happened here is this, that Moses, unfortunately, has had a little bit of damage and broken the first tablets, the Ten Commandments. Because in Exodus 32, he comes back down from Mount Sinai. Everyone's a bit cheesed off because he's been so long that he comes back down and they've made a golden calf. They've rejected God. Now he smashes these in anger. In Exodus 34, now he's got to make some. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but the first lot, God made them. The second, he says to Moses, prepare the stone, carve the stone, get it ready, and walk up the mountain. How unfortunate, in Exodus 34, Moses has to climb the mountain with the stone. If you want to go into the army today and start training to be a soldier, they'll start putting bricks in your bag, even though you don't need them, to train you, to carry weight, excess weight. The first time he goes up, God produces this stone and he helps him. The second time he says, you carve out the stone, get ready, bring them up because we're going to write and replicate what was on the first ones. In other words, he says this, get yourself ready. You're going to have to work to do this. Some of us today need to prepare ourselves, but we have to do something to be in the presence of God. You might not have to carve any, any stone out, but you need to carve some time out. You might not need to carve any stone pieces to go up to the top of the mountain, but you need to carve some time out, which is extra weight on you to get to the mountain. Then he says this. He says, do this, prepare yourself, so get ready. Some of us need to start putting some time in our diary, making some room for Jesus. That's, that's why you've got to carve, not carve any stone, carve some time. But then he says this, verse 2, be ready. Be ready in the morning, and then come up to Mount Sinai to the top. In other words, he says this, get ready, prepare yourself. There's preparation involved in our hearts to seek after him. That all happens at the foot of the mountain. I believe God today is preparing hearts. He said, you know what, I need to start carving some time. I need to start preparing and changing my ways because God is calling me up the mountain. I'm not just going to just race off up there and expect a glory touch. But I'm going to actually do this strategically. I'm going to put some time in my diary. I'm going to carve some time. And I'm going to be prepared, ready, so that when I go up, I'm ready. Because what does it say? It says, present yourself. If Moses would have arrived up at the top in Exodus 34 with no stone tablets, or said, I've only prepared one because I didn't have much time. I know that you're quite good at this, so will you help me make the other one? If he'd have come up half prepared, that wouldn't have been presenting himself because God gave instructions and said, this is what you've got to do to encounter, do this X, Y, Z, and come up. If he'd have come half prepared, then he wouldn't have been able to present himself. You have need to be prepared, present yourself. God will touch you. He'll meet with you. God wants us to be intentional and to be ready. Set your alarm clock tomorrow morning 
an hour earlier than you normally get up. Just so that you can spend some time with Jesus. Some people say, I ain't got enough time in the day. We'll just have less sleep then. That's all you got to do. Some of it, we all need to do this, don't we? It's not me telling you what. We all need to start thinking, how can we, if we want to get some great encounters with the Lord and just feel God touching our lives, we've got to cast some time. You see, God sets an example for us to follow. It's interesting, in Exodus 32, he shows the example of the production of these stone tablets for the Ten Commandments. But in Exodus 34, when everything's gone wrong, he set an example for Moses to redo it again. God says, I want you to make them this time, copy what I did, but follow my example to come back up to the mountain. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. In other words, he says, I've shown you what it is already. I've set the example. I have died. I've been resurrected. I've carried the cross up the mountain. Now you've got to do it. You don't see that on any fridges or any slogans, who wants to carry the cross? Some of us today know that our crosses to carry is going to be some pain and some struggle. But do you know what? I love the fact that when Jesus goes to the top of that mountain, and he's at Calvary, and he carries that cross, his moment was so that he can make something out of you. And he sets that example. Through pain and suffering, something amazing came from it. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, God rewards those who seek him. God rewards those who seek him. Not talk about how good he is. Seek him. Seek him. Not reading the paperback book that tells you about how to encounter God. Seek him. Put the books down. Put the books down. Get on your knees. Say, Jesus, Jesus, I want you. I want you. Number two today, God is greater than our monuments. Monuments. You see, we have moments, but some of us want to make monuments out of moments. Some of us want to make monuments out of great moments, you see. You see, what we do is we remember back in 1993 when God touched me. And what we do is we say, God, I remember that day. I'm anchoring on to, to 25th of September, 1993. I'm anchoring on to that day because that's when you touched me. And I remember that prophetic word I received. I'm anchoring on. In fact, I've got a recording on an MP3. I keep replaying it. I'm going back to that date. Because that's the day when you spoke to me. That's my perfect day. I'm going through a rough time. I'm remembering that day. And we make a monument out of a moment. We all do it. He says this in Matthew 17, verse 3 to 4. He says, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah. So now Peter, James, and John at the top of this mountain with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear. I mean, this is getting great, isn't it? I mean, you couldn't get this on Netflix. They appear. If you did, you would be paying the subscription fees every month. And he sees these three and he's like, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. What does he do? The next thing he does is, he says, let's make a shelter. Three for all of you. In other words, what Peter, what Peter says is this. I want to build a shelter to house you three in because this 
is amazing. Jesus, what do you reckon? Do you think that's a good idea? And he, the, the first thing he looks at is the fact that he wants to contain this. I don't know if you know this, but the shelter, the word shelter, comes from the Greek word skinos, and it means tabernacle, tent. In other words, what he was saying is this, I want to create a holy place. I want to contain this. Then we can invite everyone up. We can go and tell other people, come up and see our glory tents. Come up and see our three shelters, our tabernacles. Moses is there, Elijah's there, Jesus is there. You'll see them in their glorified state. It's amazing. And the first thing he wants to do is build this monument to idolize a moment. But I don't believe that Jesus wants that. He doesn't want them to, to take them up the mountain for them to have great experiences to stay there. He doesn't want them to stay there building shelters. He wants something greater than that. I was chatting to Lydia last week and after the meeting and she was telling me if you didn't know Lydia was, had grown up as a young child in the Brownsville Revival. If you don't know what the Brownsville Revival is in Pensacola, go and Google it. You'll see some amazing things. God encounters, people touched, a revival that wasn't just about healing and miracles, it was about salvation. People giving their lives to God, holiness, touching the church. And when we went, we went to visit a few years ago, Lydia, in America, and they took us to Brownsville Church. They took us down and showed us outside the church. And as we drove up on the outside, I was amazed because it was deadly silent. And they said, you know, it's not the same as what it used to be. It's, it's a different type of church now. But as we went and looked at it, she was telling me last week that within, I can't remember the exact, so don't quote me on this, but she said within seconds, seconds, when the revival was happening, the place would fill up in seconds because there were queues out into the car park. There was that many people who wanted to encounter the God and come into that place. They would have screens on the outside in the car park. Sounds amazing. And they would seek this, but isn't it interesting that today that that's not happening? Revivals move on. Moments move on. You can't just go back to YouTube and say, I want to relive this moment again. Because that was for then, and Jesus got something for now, amen? Jesus has got something for now. And sometimes we can build these shelters, these monuments, these, these places, these holy places, and say, this is where God moves. Listen, let me tell you today, and I believe this is prophetic, but I believe, oh, it is prophetic, look. Bless them. I believe this. It's interesting I'm going to say this now. But I believe that King's Church is bigger than this shelter. In other words, King's Church is bigger than 49 to 53 Tennyson Road. And we've just got a band to tell us that. I believe that it's bigger than this shelter. You see, some of us can look at this shelter. We can look at this containment and say... <clears throat> this is a place where God moves. We, this is a place where God is touching lives. And we create our own shelter from it. We create our own tabernacle from it. But actually God is saying to us today, look, I am so much bigger than your tent. In fact, I really believe it's prophetic. God is going to stretch these tents and I prophesy over it. Because I believe that this church is bigger. It's bigger. God is doing something. I don't know if you've seen it. I can see it in the spirit. I'm telling you. I can see what God is doing among us. Because I have not witnessed what I'm witnessing at the moment in this church ever in my life. 
You may say, well, it's not as good as where I went to when I went back to so-and-so in this country or I was at this church. Listen to me. You're not in that church. This is for this place at this season at this time. And I've been here a long time and I know what God is doing. This is bigger. This is bigger than you know. It's bigger than I know. And it's bigger than the shelters that we've created. So much bigger. We don't want to build tabernacles and block what God or contain what God wants to do. Making monuments out of this place. It's a great place, but it's not the be-all and end-all, as we say in England. It's not everything. I'm so glad we like bricks, mortar, and a bit of stained glass, but this is not it. And if you want to be part of the vision in this church and get on board, you can be part of seeing Cambridge impacted with a move of God like it's never seen before. I'm telling you, I don't just say these things, I believe it. I really believe that we will see, I don't just want to be another church, I want us to be a church that is impacting this city, that people are queuing up, whether we're here or wherever we are in the future. I don't know what's going to happen, but I am not going to let this tabernacle limit me. Double services is great. Triple maybe even better. But listen, this tabernacle will never stop us from moving into all the things that God has got for us. Hallelujah. You see this? I want you to see something. Because the truth is this, that Peter, he recognizes and he says this. He comes up with this bright idea to build the three shelters. He's talking about building now. I don't know if you've ever seen this. We didn't read it before. But if you go back a little bit into Matthew 16, just before we started reading about Jesus telling about himself dying, you will find the part where Peter has a conversation with Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter, because you're a rock. In other words, Jesus says, I've got a visionary plan, and it's to build. It's to build, and it's to build through you. It's not to build with materials. It's to build through you. Do you know why? Because the word he said is, I'm going to build on a rock, Petra. He said this, a rock is not something of strength. It was a building material. In other words, Peter comes up to the top of the mountain, and he sees Jesus. He looks at him, and he sees his glory. He has a vision, and then he thinks this. He thinks, actually, I'm going to build something now. And the moment he presents his visionary plan to build, what does Jesus do? Do you know? What does Jesus do the moment he puts his blueprint down and says, let's build three shelters? Jesus knocks him out. That's when... They fall face down to the floor. That's when they're no longer speaking about their bright ideas. Because the moment that Peter speaks about building, Jesus interrupts him. Have you ever had those people who rudely interrupt you? All they're ever interested in is themselves. You talk to them, you give them an idea, but they, they don't seem to listen and they've got a better idea. You know them? We all know them. They interrupt you. And you think, I've got a better idea. And they interrupt you. Jesus had a very good reason to interrupt Peter. Because he knew that Peter, again, was going off track. He knew that, again, look, six days later, and you're already trying to build something again. Didn't you hear me? In the last chapter, I told you I was going to build something through you. And you're trying to make things. You're trying to build things up here. Listen, I'm building through you. 
Matthew 17 verse 5 says, While Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. As if it wasn't enough to see Jesus in his glorified state. Then they get knocked down to the floor. Listen, if you've got some bright ideas, sometimes God's going to knock you out. Sometimes you've got better ideas than him. We think, oh, we've got a better idea. Jesus, do you know what he'll do? If you want an encounter, if you say sometimes, God, why are people falling down on the floor? Why are people having these touches from the Lord? Because God's doing open heart surgery on people because he's trying to change the way that they're moving. That's why. People get so worried about whether God, whether people are going down on the floor and being touched and if they've had a manifestation or not. The truth is this, God, if he needs to do some surgery, he'll take you down. And the reason why you go down is because you can't stand up. The reason why you can't stand up is because the presence of God is upon you. While Peter was still speaking, he's in the middle of this. He's in the middle of telling him a great plan. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, down. And he tells him. This voice comes and says, listen to him. In other words, stop coming out with all your ideas of how you're going to contain this. I'm trying to show you so you understand. Because do you know why? There was a mountain to go back down. There was a place to go back down. Jesus wants to interrupt our monument building so he can build a monument from us. Jesus reminds Peter that he's going to build through him. Develop something through him. I don't know if you know this, but it actually reverses the other way around. Because Jesus wants to put his spirit, it says, on the inside of you. In other words, you know what Jesus was looking at when Peter starts coming up with these feeble ideas? He's looking at him saying, do you not get this? Do you not understand? When I go to the cross and I die, this is going to produce something that allows my spirit to come And live inside your tent, your body. In other words, I am not, I'm looking at you. You're looking at me and seeing this glorified state trying to build these tabernacles, these these tents. I'm looking at you saying, if you trust me, I'm going to build upon you and I'm going to put my spirit and I'm going to live inside your tent. In other words, he reverses it. And some of us, do you know, we're stuck today. We're still looking and trying to make something out of God. We're making monuments. God's saying, do you not realize my spirit is on the inside of you? You're trying to make some monument. I'm inside of you. Hallelujah. I just sense today that someone is, maybe today feels that lack of self-worth. They feel like, actually, do you know, I don't feel today like I'm worthy of anything. I just sense that today, that God wanted me to share that. And I just feel that there is someone here today who feels that they are their tent, their shelter, their tabernacle, their earthly tabernacle is just not good enough for Jesus. Jesus wants to tell you today that you are not responsible for whether you decide whether he's good enough to come in. Because he wants to come in. You try to put yourself down, but he wants to come and make his home. On the inside of you. Hallelujah. Finally, number three, God is seen through our movements. 
God is seen through our movements. You see, many of us want the moments we want to see God. We want to be seeing God and we want these monument experiences. But the truth is this, God is seen through your movements. It's what you do when you've had the experiences, when you've experienced God in those high places. You have to come back down from the mountain on Monday morning. You've got to come back down. And it's there where God is seen when you're stepping back down. And you've got no more Diet Coke left or water. You've got nothing left. And you've run out of things you need. And God says, I need to go with you so that you know that the mountain experiences are not just for the top. They're for tomorrow. God's seen through our movements. When the disciples heard God's voice in Matthew 17, verse 6 to 8, it says this. They fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came, touched them, and said, get up. Don't be afraid. Get up. In other words, it's interesting. Jesus interrupts him, rudely interrupts for the right reasons. He interrupts Peter's visionary ideas. But the moment he falls flat on his face and he does these things, he doesn't want him to stay down on the floor. He wants him to get back up again. Listen to me. Those people who are having meetings all the time where everyone's falling down on the floor and never getting back up and doing anything, he's never going to change anything. Because Jesus is in the business of taking people down, but he's also in the business of taking people back up again and doing something. I've met so many people that they, they do seek after meetings. of they, 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 they will look at a meeting and judge it whether people have gone down or not. If there's bodies lying everywhere, that is good. But I want to know what you're doing on Monday morning. It's not about Sunday whether there's bodies everywhere. What happens when you get up? Because Jesus is just as interested in taking you down as he is in taking you back up again. It doesn't take long, does it? He says, listen, don't be scared. Get up. We've got a job to do. What was the job? They've got to go back down the mountain. You see, seconds after, you see that they're walking down the mountain. He says, get up. And then now they're walking back down. Some of us today know we've had a great experience with God, whether it was 1993, whether it was last Sunday, whether when it was, you know that you've had these experiences and sometimes you've made a monument. It's time to let go of the monument. It's time to look to the future. God wants to do far more than you can think and imagine. But it's time to move on because, listen, Jesus wants to take you back down the mountain. And down the mountain for some of you are some issues and problems. Down the mountain, you've got to face some stuff. Down at the bottom of the mountain is why you want to stay at the top building shelters because you don't want to go back down. Because you know down at the bottom of the mountain, you've got some stuff to face. He said, get up. Get up, he said. Now we're about to move. We're going to move back down. You see, I believe this, that moments, great moments will always release movements. Great moments will always release great movements. You see, the Assemblies of God, this denomination we're part of, and Pentecostal movement, what does it derive from? It derives from the Azusa Street Revival, the early revival back in California. And we see that. We go back and we see God pouring out His Spirit at Azusa Street. It emerges and then we get what we have today is the Pentecostal movement. You see, God is interested in revivals. He's interested in moments. But moments have to always produce movements. If they don't produce movements, then they're doing nothing. They're just for the moment. They're just for satisfying us. But it needs to sustain us and release us into what God has called us into. Jesus told them to get up. Why did he tell them to get up? For the next destination. 
In other words, you've got to go back down here. We've got to go back down to the bottom. Them guys would have been saying, well, let's stay, let's stay. And some of you right now, you know that you like coming to church on Sunday because you know that it, you shut everything out for Monday. Because this is your mountain. This is your monument. This is your place. And then you know that I don't want to wake up on Monday morning. Some people in here right now, God is speaking to you. Even sometimes you feel like covering over the bed covers, staying there all day and never getting out of bed. Because depression set in. Because in your foot of the mountain, you've got issues beyond compare. And so you, all you do is you wait every week and climb back up the mountain again. To Sunday, you get to the top again. But you know you've got to go back down. And you live a life of cycle like this. But listen, God did not call you to live that kind of cycle. He calls you to live always sustained by him whether you feel it or not. I don't know if you've seen this in Matthew 17 verse 9 when they're coming back down the mountain here. And I'm nearly finished. Don't worry, I'm, I'm getting to the bottom of the mountain. I'm nearly there. Then you can all have a drink. But when they're going back down, it says this. As they were coming back down the mountain, verse 9, Jesus instructed them. In other words, they've had an amazing experience. You'd think that from an experience, you'd know everything. All knowledge has been sorted. Everything has been dealt with. Now I understand everything. I've seen the king of glory. I've had the most amazing meeting at the top of this mountain but no, it's interesting. Jesus has to still do some instructing. In other words, when you're walking back down the mountain and you're looking back thinking, what an amazing time we had up there. What an amazing meeting. When you're going back down the mountain, Jesus is still in the business of instructing you. He's still talking to you. Because the journey back down the mountain is just as important as going up or being there. He instructs them. And some of us today... God is speaking to us, even though when we leave here, we need to listen to his voice. I remember years ago, 2006, someone gave me a prophetic word. It was about eight, nine minutes long, and God spoke to us powerfully in this church, a prophet. She gave me a recording. But I remember that day, we received the prophetic word. Monday morning, I was back in work. I was there lugging boxes around, doing my job. The prophetic word didn't feel as profound then. I remember I thought, I just thought that was an amazing word, but I've, I've got to do my job now. Listen, when you've got to do your job, it doesn't change the word. It doesn't change what you had. When you've got to do something and your boss is shouting at you, when you've got people in your work who are, who are putting you down or you've got people who you don't like to be around, listen to me, that does not change what God has said. It's when God is looking at you to see whether his presence will sustain you. I used to... Come back from work, I'll have another listen to this MP3, this prophetic word, to try and remember the glory time again. Because I'm, I'm getting a bit tired of these things at work. And that's good, that's fine to encourage and lift ourselves, but listen to me. I want to encourage you, don't get into this place, because that's where the enemy feeds off. He likes to feed off our position where we feel, not feel spiritual enough, and powerful enough. The truth is this, we can't stay at the mountain, amen? We've got to shift from the mountain. Every one of us has got to go back down the mountain. There's always a reason. There's always, always a need at the foot of the mountain. Did you know that? There's always a need to go back down the mountain. And Jesus knew that he had to go and die on the cross. And he said, don't tell anyone what you've seen until I've died. In other words, what Jesus was saying is this. The reason why you've got to get back down this mountain is so you can spread the gospel. You've got to go down this mountain so you can spread the word of my kingdom.
God never intends us to stay at those moments. He wants to take us into movements. I just want to show you these two things, and then if Sam could be ready to come up. In Exodus 32, what we looked at earlier, Moses has an amazing experience at Sinai. In Exodus 32, he gets the tablets. He has an, ex- an amazing experience with God at Mount Sinai. But what happens then? He has to come back down the mountain. Why? Because people are beginning to rebel. People are beginning to rebel and they're making their idols. In other words, Moses can't stay. He has to come back to the foot of the mountain. And I want to show you again. Even last week we heard a message on when the fire falls. Elijah goes to the top of Mount Carmel. And he's there. And we heard an amazing message of the power of God moving. The presence of God comes, consuming fire. And we see this altar. We saw it last week in 1 Kings 18. But listen to me. Did you ever see this? That after the amazing experience, when the fire fell, did you know what happened next? In verse 46, it says this. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. In other words, he left the mountain. He'd just seen an amazing thing. The amazing thing you heard preached about last week. But did you see he ends up running down the mountain? I just felt like singing, she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. Sorry. But he runs down the mountain. Why? Do you know why he did? Because even though Just listen to this. Even though Elijah had had an amazing experience proving the power of God over the prophets of Baal and the Baal God, do you know what happened? Even though he'd seen a demonstration of power like that, do you know what happened? He needed to go and confront and deal with Jezebel in Jezreel. At the foot of your mountain, there is tasks to do, spreading the gospel. At the foot of the mountain, there is a Jezebel, maybe your boss. Maybe that person who's irritating you. Some people, every one of us today have got a Jezebel at the foot of the mountain. But God did not want Elijah to stay at the top looking at the burnt sacrifice and all the rocks. He said, get down there. Some of us today, some of us today, I just sense this, that some of us today, right now, we've been up the mountain. Actually, we're scared for Monday morning. We're scared to go back down. We're scared to even go and evangelize. We're thinking God's calling me to go out on the streets on Tuesday night, but I'm just going to stay at the mountain. I'm going to stay here. I'm not going to go and do that because I'll just stay at the mountain. Or tomorrow's really difficult because I'm going to meet this person who's been really putting me down. Some of us today have got that Jezebel that we're scared of. I'm telling you, God is into lasting impressions on us, on our hearts. That when we've encountered him, It sustains us. His spirit sustains us. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.